0: Welcome to another episode of nerds amalgamated i am the dj with me today i have the lovely
1: professor that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me oh thank oh thank you
0: thank you uh but uh, how are you this week i'm doing quite well <laughs> well, at least you're doing better than me After after, after what I've endured The last few days, so
1: <laughs> Alright, so you Had a couple of shit days at work And you're just feeling shit in general But I just thought an, uh, saw a headline From 2016 and thought it was new
0: <laughs> To be specific,
1: I- the headline was about Finding a dinosaur tail with feathers in amber How did you get wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I think someone posted it and I must have missed the uh, published date. Oh. Yeah, it's weird.
0: I know. It's a
1: weird time of year. (laughs) That time of year that's supposed to be Halloween, but not in Australia because we don't do Halloween here, but it still kind of is. But it's so, so Christmas because now any time before September, after September is Christmas, (laughs) end of the year is a weird time.
0: Uh, I am very
1: excited for the Doctor Who series though. As disappointed as I've been with the quality of the last few seasons, I can't help being excited about Flux.
0: Yeah, but then <laughs> Will the fa- the question would be, will the fandom accept it?
1: As long as they handle whatever they do better than they handled the Timeless Child. Pro tip. 20 minutes of exposition in a 45-minute show isn't great. <laughs>
0: Uh, here's okay. Here's a very frightening statistic for you. Okay, so three days after the official trailer is out, only four hundred twenty thousand people have viewed this. Viewed the trailer I'm just going Wow That is If that's If that's the caliber Of Doctor Who now That's that's sad Okay
1: that's just On YouTube though True. Sure. It's also airing On television And the BBC Have themselves Been pretty poor About advertising For the past Couple of years Yeah They've gone from Telling us too much To telling us nothing Like uh, I the th- last uh, Couple of seasons Of Peter Capaldi Where they gave away Critical plot points In the episode summary That shows up On your digital TV When you Change the channel, yeah. It's all about spoilers. The next year, they gave away the massive plot twist from the finale in the trailer for the season.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, marketing is such a weird concept at this point.
1: Oh, yeah, I did it in uni. Mm.
0: Well, at least it's not as and weird. It was as a
1: required a- module for my uh, game development degree, ah, uh. but it's a bit hard to talk about marketing when you're autistic and don't, you know, connect with people like that. <laughs>
0: Hey, hey, at least it's not as weird as the planet that's raining metal.
1: Yes, weird sci-fi planets. (laughs) I love that, because this is basically just a weird sci-fi planet.
0: So uh, this is from an ABC article, but uh, a team of international researchers led by Pennsylvania State University discovered the gaseous exoplanet TOI- Three three six two B about two hundred light years from Earth and it's basically an unusual planet with the summer temperatures of two thousand degrees and aluminium rain in winter. So much sounds for that like
1: lovely weather for a walk.
0: <laughs> so, so much for that song, It's Raining Men.
1: <laughs> it's raining Aluminium Men?
0: Uh yeah.
1: Well, that f- doesn't really work.
0: Nah, nah. But uh yeah, well oh, so
1: I love that um the winter here is not that cold. About 500 degrees.
0: <laughs> Way to damn play the, the, the crisis there. Uh, in case if humans want to get jump onto this planet.
1: Well, we've got to be honest. Most planets that we've discovered so far are not very conducive to human life. we are kind of on like just the right planet for us. Now, the question is, uh, humans the only kind of life in the universe? And for... Would any life that we find be like humans? Or is there other forms of life that we haven't discovered yet, because we don't know what to look for, that are on planets like this? Like, what sort of life would live on a planet that hits 500 degrees and rains aluminium? Because we're... Like, Earth feels like the perfect planet for us. But we're also highly specialised into living on Earth. If multicellular life arose on another planet, say Jupiter, it could have incredibly different forms
0: and that's what's happening with um all the space exploration stuff especially on mars where it's just okay we're gonna f- see if little green men actually live on earth on mars, or, you mean. on mars yeah on mars sorry and every and all the explorations have have all said the one one result
1: no unfortunately so what they're interested in this planet for is that it's could give them insight into the formation of a hot Jupiter, which is basically a Jupiter that is very close to the sun. So what we've noticed, obviously, from the our solar system is that gassy planets tend to be towards the outside. So if we're finding solar systems that have hot Jupiters, which are very close to the sun, like on the order of weeks, what would be the difference in formation that caused that to happen rather than formation like what we see here? It's also got a really interesting... Orbit the year on toi toi three three six two b is about eighteen days and it's <laughs> significantly elliptical. So you just have time to put away your winter clothes before you had to get them out again.
0: <laughs> and you could get drunk every eighty every two weeks.
1: <laughs> yes, happy New Year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's like that Simpsons episode where they go itchy and scratchy land. Where Marsh go to a bar where every minute is nineteen eighty six, and the waiter and Homer goes like, "Imagine living living out like this." And the waiter's like, "Kill me, please." Although, can you imagine having a? Imagine being born on that planet. It's like every every
1: eighteen days, it's your birthday. Yeah, I wonder how long a. I- Creature on a planet with an orbital period like this would live for
0: well with a with this with a temperature system like that and um, I mean
1: obviously that is bad but if say they lived on Earth and Earth was you know a perfect duplicate of Earth except that it goes around the sun in two weeks
0: (laughs) would would um
1: would creatures living there have such long lifespans as they do on Earth probably I don't think there's any reason why they wouldn't
0: they probably would but then the, the question would be uh. Would evolution be, you'd be cramming a lot of evolution into just one small span.
1: Yeah, whatever life form, like evolution's not that fast, and whatever life form you'd have on this planet would have to evolve in the space of a week to resist molten aluminium.
0: (laughs) That would be crazy. Can you imagine, like... You you finally get a fully formed fully formed uh, animal, and all of a sudden it, it just dies because of aluminium rain.
1: Yeah, considering the extreme sweeps of temperature and the absolutely nuts conditions, I don't think anything there would. If there was life there, it would not be as we know it, Jim.
0: And what's also going to be interesting is uh, the aluminium part. Not okay. So normally, when you um, when aluminium rains and it would it would be uh when once metal cools down it's there is a certain weight to it then that's gonna be interesting like with the i wonder how that what what type of gravity is like in that planet
1: well the gravity would be about the same in summer and winter the gravity of earth doesn't change like during summer at least not by any significant amount.
0: Uh, like one, um, So, one of the scientists that was uh, participating in it, the University of South Queensland astronomer Dr. George Zhao, who was part of the team, uh, recently confirmed, who also recently confirmed the uh, summer under um, discovery, uh, he also said this uh, that the planet would be target for further atmospheric research when NASA's new James Webb Space Telescope is launched in the next year.
1: Yes, James Webb is finally going up, hopefully. We still have like, even once it launches, it's supposed to launch in the next few months. Even once once it launches, we've got six months to wait for it to actually get into position and be ready to work. So don't get too excited yet, but it is on the way. Finally, after like 15 years.
0: He uh, quotes by saying, it's very distant, but it's actually considered in the solar neighborhood. Unfortunately, we won't be able to visit it anytime soon, but... It does mean that we we could use large telescopes here on Earth to study its properties. I mean, I, I mean, he has a point. Like we can use the large telescopes, but then human curiosity is a funny thing.
1: It wouldn't be great to go there because it's so damn hot, though. True, sure,
0: true, sure, true. Sure. But then there, but then you can always do like uh, what they what we've been doing with Mars, like sending in drones and
1: whatnot. Okay, but it's at another star you realize how far away stars are. Yeah, yeah. Space is really bloody big. Big. Like, I'm just trying to find a distance to TOI 3362, but haven't had any luck with that yet. But even the closest star to Earth, uh, Alpha... Alpha Centauri? And Centauri... Yeah, actually, I think it's one of the others, but in, in that same solar system. Not solar system, sorry, constellation. But it is uh Alpha Centauri... Might be moving closer, I think. I did actually double check that the other day, and now I don't remember. And now while I'm waiting for the page to load. I've realized I've Googled closest star to Earth, which is probably going to mess with me. There we (laughs) go. Proxima Centauri
0: Ah. is
1: 4.25 light years away. Alpha Centauri is a bit further away, but it is coming closer from what I remember reading the other day. So nice and close, you think. It's only four light years away, you'd think. That's traveling at the speed of light. And without something like an Alpecura drive, we're never going to get there.
0: Nah, it will take another, it will take five or six of our lifetimes just to get a proper working, uh, faster than light travel vehicle
1: up and running. Yeah, even the fastest uh, spacecraft we've ever had, the Parker probe, only hit, and this is going to sound silly, only hit 393,000 kilometers an hour.
0: (laughs) What? Wait, what? How?
1: Well, it's nothing to slow you down there, is there?
0: <laughs> I mean, that is pretty uh, apparently, fast. Apparently, actually, it
1: will get even faster. It can get up to 700,000 kilometers per hour, they reckon.
0: Okay, that's, that's pretty good.
1: So, quick quiz, DJ, do you know the speed of light?
0: Uh, 3.86 by the 10, 10 to the power of uh, 24, I think it is.
1: Or am I way off? I don't remember what it is in that way. No. Well, it's only about 300 uh, million metres per second. That's right.
0: Yeah, it's three hundred. so it's 300,000 kilometres per second. The exact value is defined... Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article, by the way, but the exact value is defined as 2, 299,792,458 no, 299, metres per second.
1: Yeah, and for some context from the sun to earth that's 8.3 light minutes so traveling at the speed of light it would take you eight minutes to get from the sun to earth even traveling at the speed of light it would still take you more than four years to get to uh proxima centauri and you're still only even the fastest spacecraft is a tiny fraction of the speed of light
0: okay this may sound like a bit of a weird question but could a wormhole make the, uh, could a wormhole, like... Um, makes faster than light travel faster or slower? Well, remember-
1: faster than light travel is already pretty bloody fast considering it is literally faster than light, mm-hmm. which is significantly faster than... I mean, it's the universal speed limit. Theoretically, according to the current models, we should not be able to go faster than the speed of light ever. Now, there's ways around that that people are researching, like the Albuquerque drive. I'll be, am I saying that right? actually. Alcubierre air drive, actually, which is a theoretical warp drive. But every time they've done a test with a theoretical warp drive and been like, look at that, it's producing crust. They've done the test again and realized they there was something that they hadn't taken account of. Okay. So by 2025, at its closest approach to the sun, the Parker probe will travel at 700,000 kilometers an hour or 0.064% of the speed of light. <laughs> wow. So even if you somehow manage to hit your ride on the Parker Probe, get it up to that speed and kick it off towards Proxima Centauri, you'll basically never get there.
0: Okay, okay but here's the thing. Okay, let's say we use the Parker Probe and go through the wormhole. You reckon we could hit the speed of light? Because if I recall, um, wormholes have a certain time dilation uh, system Wormholes
1: don't exist. Worm Sorry to I... burst your bubble. Ah, uh, nuts! They just—they don't exist. It's
0: oh, looks like I should. It looks like unfortunately,
1: a... all of the current models indicate that wormholes can't exist. They were a theoretical thing, but yeah, most likely don't don't exist anywhere in the universe, which is really disappointing. <laughs>
0: Oh, there goes there goes my dreams of interspace travel. Oh, well.
1: <laughs> best bet would seem to be a generation ship. But considering the best generation ship we have so far, the ISS, is not self-sustaining. There are experiments to make it more self-sustaining, but it's only been up there for 20 years and it is falling apart.
0: Really? Literally
1: falling apart. The first module to go up there, Zarya... It- is cracking apart in space, and if they don't fix it, the ISS is just dead. Can't use it anymore because there's a big, big bloody hole in it. And of course, that's the bit that joins it together between the what was originally the American side and the Russian side. They originally joined through Zarya. So if Zarya breaks, and you're effectively cutting off half of the ISS,
0: so that would mean the uh, the whole idea of space. Space travel would just be uh, would just be doomed
1: with current technology. Yes, there's no way, based on current t- science, to get to another star. Other planets are workable because you're only up there for months to years, but your odds of getting to another star are not high. There is a really fun, ethical question. Not fun in the, let's jump on a trampoline woo way, but fun in the, it's a tough question. Is it ethical to launch a generation ship knowing that your children don't consent to being on the generation ship and have no option to get off and are there living their entire life in the service of... Maintaining the ship so that their children can be the ones to get all the glory when they arrive.
0: Oh, I mean, if, if you market it right in terms of we're doing this for the greater good, for the safe, for the for the sake of humanity kind of thing, then you could kind of. J,
1: people won't even wear masks for the greater good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, okay, sure, <laughs> but okay, but let's say let's say in 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 in, in, in a perfect world, if everyone's if everyone followed the if everyone did the whole if we marketed it to the greater good kind of thing, then yeah, sure, you could kind of walk around it. Walk, you could walk around that that issue.
1: Yeah, assuming humans were perfectly inclined to follow the greater good and fall in line, which they're not. <laughs> then it might work the uh i think the most likely answer for interstellar transport is going to be uploading your brain to a computer if that's ever possible and taking a ride like in suspended animation like your brain is turned off because Spending centuries on a rocket is probably going to drive you nuts eventually.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's like uh, living in a submarine, but much much, much more... Oh, it'd be like living in a submarine, but... Uh,
1: yeah, but at least on a submarine, you can go outside. Yeah. You can turn around and come home. Yeah, Space is a one-way trip. If you're going to another star, you don't have enough fuel to come home.
0: And the likelihood of uh, of you coming back home when and, and seeing everything everything as you once remembered which is just, nah, it's gone.
1: Yeah, if you spend a thousand years travelling and come home and expect it to be all the same, you're joking. <laughs> space is really bloody big. Would you ever do it? Go to space? Yes.
0: Although with the likelihood of you not coming back for another thousand years.
1: Though. Um... Maybe? I mean, it would depend. It would have to be something completely transhuman. In my current body, I'm not going to last another thousand years.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: So, I'd need to have a way for my body to last a thousand years. Let's assume that my body is going to last a thousand years. And I go to another solar system. What am I going to find there? Bugger all. (laughs) and then there's the fun bit where the best time to launch a rocket to another star is tomorrow not today tomorrow and tomorrow it'll be the next day (laughs) because there's always the chance that you'll design a better rocket and who wants to be the one to spend a century on a rocket going to another planet and then find out that people beat you there because it was just 10 years you know six months after you left they invented a better rocket And it only took them 10 years. Unfortunately, I don't think humans will ever be an interstellar empire. Interplanetary living is likely, but an interstellar empire is just not feasible. Not just the travel time, the communication. So it would take four years for a message to get from Alpha Centauri to Earth and then four years for us to respond back to them. So you're on your own, basically. <laughs> if you're on Alpha Centauri and the crops fail and you need to request some emergency food supplies...
0: You have to wait four years just to get a reply. Yeah.
1: Assuming <laughs> that they had, like, FT... Not FTL, but light speed travel. You're looking at eight years, eight and a half years, before anyone comes to help.
0: Uh, okay, it'll be even worse. Can you imagine, Like as you said, you're alone in space... Imagine watching Netflix and you are uh, it goes, Oh, that's the end of the season, now I have to wait four years and then you come to re- and then you get you get a message eight years later going, Oh the series ended, guy the series got cancelled. Like all that all that time I invested on this series is gone.
1: That happens anyway though. Like if you're out in the middle of nowhere space, then you'll receive Netflix at the same rate as someone on Earth, assuming they're, like, beaming it to you at the same rate, it will just happen relatively, like, several years later. But if it, if they air an episode once a week...
0: Oh, that will be torture.
1: It'll Reg- still... Well, Netflix doesn't really work because Netflix is on demand. But if there's television in space and you're on another planet and it takes a week, well, a year for the episode to get there, Australian television in the early 2000s feeling, right? <laughs> uh, then... The episodes are still going to be one after another a week apart.
0: Oh, man. Uh, 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 okay. With, uh, even though uh, Netflix would be a problem, the, biggest pro- the other bigger problem would be: can you imagine gaming in the middle of space. <laughs> the highest yeah, level that
1: of. Ping. <laughs> We're not <laughs> going to be playing FPS games in space because the <laughs> ping would be a killer.
0: <laughs> or even worse mobile gaming oh that would be a well, nightmare mobile
1: gaming's often single player so not so bad
0: oh unless you're playing pokemon go which i think it's in space it would be cool imagine it's pokemon go in uh, space
1: there are no pokestops on the moon <laughs> but i think spacex did want to develop a 5g data network for mars for use in rovers, uh, spacecraft, all of that. They wanted to have basically a mobile network on mars to allow faster communication okay. locally of course because getting a signal back from mars is still a pain you're not going to get a 5g signal from earth to mars you're going to have to convert it to another type of signal and send that
0: yeah can you also imagine uh Im- imagine getting a very very fast phone connection and you're in the middle of mars and you'll and and be like hey you know what this is cool this is great i'm getting fr- i'm getting i'm getting Full bar reception over here.
1: Well, it would be nice for someone to go and plug in Spirit and Opportunity again and let them phone home and, you know, catch up with the grandkids.
0: Yeah, yeah. And hopefully Microsoft can can
1: repair it. Actually, right to repair isn't a thing in space. Is it? Because that's an, an Earth jurisdiction. And legally... Uh, actually, no, it would be a thing in space because I'm pretty sure legally in space you're under the jurisdiction of the country you launched from among other stuff like the treaty against nuclear weapons in space uh, the treaty about exploitation of space so i think if you launched from a uh, from a country that has the right to repair you could legally repair your own rover the shipping time on spare parts would be terrible though okay but now that i think about it the uh, the rovers probably don't have any user serviceable parts because no one's going to be there to fix them when stuff goes wrong.
0: <laughs> Can you imagine just going like, uh, "Okay, rover, uh, I uh, I can't fix you. I have to I I have to leave you."
1: Curiosity. If you check in your rear cargo bay, you'll find a soldering iron. Good luck. <laughs>
0: you would have to be MacGyver to fix that thing.
1: Well, a while back, I looked into NASA like wiring standards and circuit design and the CPUs they use. They use old CPUs because they're easier to harden against radiation than newer ones. I'm a dork, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh... But they, you can see on photos of the rovers, they um, what's the word for it? A wiring loom, I think. You can actually see, like, on images of Curiosity, the cable runs and how they've tied them up with string and stuck them down. And but the big killer would be spare parts.
0: Yeah, sp- but then you can, but th- but then you could um, e- easily upgrade the uh the. Th- the um, Rovers couldn't you like even if uh, let's say for example uh, there is a new p- new version of the thing that that's, that's um, that was old like you could easily replace it, can't you?
1: Well in that case, currently with current technology there's no humans on Mars. so to carry that out you would need to deliver a new module, have a presumably a hot swap bay, and then have the rover perform a surgery on itself. To replace the parts. So it would need a manipulator arm, which is another thing to go. The good news is we're on Earth, so we can fix things when they break. It just takes us a bit longer than expected at the moment because of the bloody chip shortage. <laughs> hey, we can always ask Elon. Hey, Elon, help us out here. Well, we're looking at several years to actually get new chip fabs online, unfortunately. But the good news for us is that in the future, we might be able to cut down on the chip waste and only replace the part that's actually damaged. What an idea! Uh we could we, we could go we could go on and on
0: about this, but uh we in the interest of time we should uh yeah, I'm move getting,
1: on. I'm getting there. So <laughs> because of pressure from a shareholder representative group, as you sow, mm-hmm. which is a shareholder group pushing for accountability and environmental friendliness, Microsoft have decided to fulfil three resolutions, so a third-party study evaluating the environmental and social impacts associated with increase in consumer access to repair. And determine new mechanisms for, to increase access to repair, including for Surface devices and Xbox consoles. Xbox is not too bad. Surfaces are awful. They're literally like one of the few products. Uh, a couple of years ago, the that year's model of Surface earned a zero on iFixit for repairability.
0: Really? Yeah. No way. It's
1: one of the few products to ever earn a zero because it's all glued and taped. and But once you take it apart, you're basically not going to get it back together. So it, promise, Saren, so, go on.
0: So which which Surface was it? Was it Surface 6 or the, the, I the Zero? I don't remember
1: the exact model. I mean, geez, Louise. So the good news is, though, in the last couple of years, newer Surfaces have gotten slightly better ratings. Uh, the Yeah, it looks like it was the either the 5 or the 6 scored a 0. The Pro 7 scored a 1. Oh. Um, so there's a, a variety of Surface products, and some are better than others. None of them are great.
0: Uh, here we go. I, I found it. It's a Surface Laptop 2.
1: Okay. But comparatively, that makes a Surface Laptop 3 look amazing, because you can actually swap the parts in that sometimes. Major improvements, major strides. Mm-hmm but Xboxes are nice and easy to repair comparatively to a lot of other devices I've repaired, Xboxes aren't that big of a deal because they are just x86 machines. You just swap the parts. That can't always get the right part because of the um, companies like Apple and Microsoft don't like to make it easy for you to get parts at the moment. But if you can get the part, you can fix it. Yeah, Compared so what- to Apple, where right now, if you take the new iPhone, get two new iPhones, swap the camera over, no, swap the screen over, the camera stops working. No. Genuine Apple screen, because there's no way you're not getting an Apple screen in a brand new iPhone from a model that released two weeks ago. Put it in your other iPhone and the camera dies (laughs) because they don't want you repairing it yourself. No. And they don't just say, this is a non-genuine screen. You might want to get that checked out by Apple, they don't give you any warning. They just break the camera.
0: So uh, what are the other uh, resolutions that they posted
1: up? Uh, So expand the availability of certain parts and repair documentation beyond Microsoft's Mm -hmm. authorized service provider. Excuse me, neighbors. Could you not try to, like, knock down the walls while I'm recording? (laughs) Why do they do that? Authorized service provider network. So much like Apple, Microsoft has their own authorized repair people yeah who are as i understand are better than apple's authorized repair people who are garbage and will tell you no there's no way we can recover data there's nothing we can do you just need to buy a new device because they're not trained to actually repair they just swap parts
0: Exactly. I mean, that's, that's what I think Sony would do that as well, if I recall. Or
1: Yes, but at least with a console, most of your data is backed up. And I'm going to be honest, your game saves aren't critical data. Oh. You know, it's not like an iPhone where you've got photos of your grandkids or whatever. And they also promise to initiate new mechanisms to enable and facilitate local repair options for consumers. Yes. <laughs> I like this. You've been rallying
0: for this whole right to repair since the get go and now it's getting full
1: steam lately. Yes, now people are listening, and it's totally the, like, five people who listen to me and not the millions who listen to apple Ro- not apple lewis rossman yeah i'm probably not changing any minds but i'm so happy to that people are being they're taking people seriously about it now
0: okay so in terms of uh, in the in, in the grand scheme of things is this going to help out in terms of Game development and technology and stuff. like Game and-
1: development, it won't make much of a difference. Game developers these days are either deep into the ecosystem and have access to all of the internal data and data sheets, chipset models, whatever they need to figure out how to make their game run the best, or they're running on an engine someone else made and it just runs well enough because they're basically a pc these days yeah yeah but as a consumer you should be very happy about this because now you can get your well hopefully soon you'll be able to get your xbox repaired legitimately at a third-party store you won't have to ship it away to microsoft you won't have to hope that the repair is something they do and you won't have to hope that your third-party store is not dodgy or can get the right parts because if you can't get the right parts then you're stuffed anyway yeah there's actually as another apple example a charging chip in the lightning uh charge banks for the new iphones can't buy that on the open market because Apple said to the people who make it, don't sell this. So to fix an iP um an Apple device that uses one of these chips that's failed, you buy a complete separate battery bank, take out the chip and put it in the new in the existing device, and then throw the rest of the battery bank away because it's useless. Wow. That's it? Yeah, think of the waste. So what's got me excited about this is that Now, as a third party, smaller stores will be able to get their hands on the parts to do repairs, to not have to make that much ridiculous waste. If you have an Xbox with a faulty HDMI chipset, you'll be able to swap that. If you have a faulty RAM module, you can swap that. If it's the specialized chips that only Microsoft makes, or only Microsoft buys, hopefully you'll be able to swap that. So this will benefit the modding community a lot. Would you agree? Um, it might. Hardware mods aren't so much of a thing with modern consoles because they're just so damn complex. Um, and by hardware mods, I don't mean piracy. I mean adding features, adding, you know, making your own add-ons for a console. Yeah. yeah. Like making a CD drive for a Switch. It used to be a lot easier to do that because things were simpler and they'd actually expose headers that you could use to tie into for that. Uh, piracy is Again, not condoning piracy, but it might make it easier to develop a mod chip for the um, newer consoles. But the thing with developing a mod chip for newer consoles is that everything's online. And if you get banned, you lose access to the online store. Sure, you can still pirate, but you can't play multiplayer anymore.
0: No, nah, no, nah, you've lost it. So, the- yeah.
1: yeah. Like with Steam, making it really easy to buy games, the impact of being caught for piracy is now high enough to make it an unappealing option
0: you reckon um the emulator emulators are going to be uh suffering th- th- with this now as well
1: i'm actually not really aware of the state of emulation for the uh last and current gen it's not as common because it's a lot harder to well part of what makes emulation of old consoles work is that you're brute-forcing a computer to do things that it wasn't designed to do. The chip in a, you know, an Atari, as an example, is completely unlike what's in your computer. But you have enough power in your computer that you can brute-force it and keep up anyway. What's possible is that, depending on the amount of info we get, and I expect they'll keep it limited and we won't get to know much about the chipsets and the CPUs, because they also use a custom model of CPU in there. It is x86-based, but it is a custom uh, custom APU. The, um, so your computer doesn't have to work as hard to emulate x86 as it would to emulate uh, an 8602. And some of the recent console like a bit older now but still fairly recent like the ps3 is an absolute or is it the ps2 one of those two is an absolute pain in the bum to emulate because the architecture is so unusual. So, if we got documentation about the chipsets, emulation might be easier. But again, there's less point in emulating a Xbox or a PlayStation now because all those games come to PC anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, you would, if you were that intent on pirating a game, I think it would be easier as a game pirate to get your hands on a PC copy of the game than a console copy and get it working. And in 10 or 20 years, when you can't buy the console anymore, we'll still be able to get the PC version running, hopefully, unless they pull some Games for Windows Live bullshit. Hmm. What's, there are uh, reasons it might not work, but it is hopefully an improvement.
0: Yeah. what's uh, uh, What I'm going to be interested to see is uh, how many YouTube videos are we going to see of, of let's say for example your console is not working here is a youtube video that'll show you how to fix your console yeah without going through the, the those
1: already exist oh yeah they, they we exist. get official stuff like i really like what valve did recently with the steam deck they showed a teardown it's a teardown of the dev kit so it's probably slightly different to the actual finished product, but they don't say you can never look at the insides of this. They just say, for legal reasons, be very careful, because if you mess up the screws, then they're not going to screw back together and the case will fall apart. And then when they open it up and get to the battery, they say, this could kill you. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, Which think- is uh, incredibly dramatic.
0: Yeah, I saw a Linus to the video about it. It was
1: hilarious. Yeah, like lithium batteries are dangerous but not that dangerous they don't explode just because you looked at them wrong uh but it is you know worthy of note be careful if you are going to open it up and take the battery out but you can and they say there will be parts available so we all know the joysticks on consoles are wear parts that like to break and we've known this for several years now because the xbox controllers and the playstation controllers and the switch controllers all like to break, and Valve are just like, yeah, we also replacement thumbsticks. Hmm. Hallelujah! <laughs> it's 2021, and I can fix my own stuff without jumping through hoops.
0: <laughs> so, speaking of hoops, so legally, how, um, so are we going to see a lot more of these like uh, agreements and stuff th- uh, going through uh, agreements and stuff in the near future?
1: I hope so, because this is a pressure from shareholders for Microsoft to do better. And I hope shareholders also go after Nintendo. Actually, is Nintendo publicly traded? I'm not sure. But I hope they also go after Apple and Sony and every other company that makes hardware and demand better. It's just not an option anymore. We can't afford to be not fixing stuff.
0: But that being said, though, like there has to be a point where you go, nah, this is too old, man. I can't fix it kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I expect if um, right to repair becomes an official law, there'll be requirements that say parts are available for three years or five years or 10 years after the device is no longer sold. So if you buy an iPhone 13 this year, ideally, you'd be able to keep that running for depending on how the law goes, five or 10 years. uh, Unfortunately, we don't have it codified in law, but that would mean that Apple would have to make sure that they can provide you parts for a couple of years after they stop selling the device. But eventually, yes, devices will be too old. Too much will fail. Uh, The... parts will be unavailable because the manufacturer has stopped making them. And then your device will be useless. But we can push that horizon back another five years. That's a massive improvement. If we can push it back even further, that would be fantastic. I mean, I fixed last year, no, a couple of years ago, I worked with my friend to repair and restore his uh, Light 6 Atari 2600 from 1974. You know, that thing's coming up on 50 years old. Parts aren't available for it anymore. But I managed to push it back. It's now been two years that longer that... It's been used and loved and not thrown away. I wouldn't be able to replace the audio chips easily, but I can replace the parts that are likely to break, like the capacitors, quite easily. And that's the, you know, that solved the problem for now.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, in the interest of time, we should uh, move yep.
1: on. Yeah. I ran yeah. it again. Move it on.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so so, from Boundary to Comics, uh, there was a story about Chuck Dixon, the creator of Bane, uh, doing his diagnosis on why DC and Marvel Comics are bad. Uh, and I mean,
1: really bad. We knew this. Why is this news?
0: <laughs> so uh, he recently. Ca- so he was responding to a question uh, by Josh M who asked. Why does it seem like all the writers know how to do with how, how to do with established characters is a deconstruction story? Why can't writers do anything fun with established characters anymore? And why can't they create new characters that we can love without having to give them the mantle, quote unquote, of an of an already established character? It's making picking up my pool my pool list pretty miserable. So Okay, what would you say if you were given that question?
1: I think we are seeing a lot of deconstructions right now because there have been a couple of deconstruction stories that have been big, and everyone's chasing that. uh, You know, everyone's chasing the dragon, but the it does get a bit boring to have it over and over again.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I completely get where he's coming from, but I think right now deconstructions are popular because we've had, you know, 50 years of Superman and Spider-Man and Batman and we're at the point now where the world has obviously changed and we're seeing things differently and we're more interested in deconstruction type stories. Disappointingly and we see this with any industry, any creative industry the current hot trend overshadows everything else.
0: Yeah, it's, it's always the uh, okay, we gotta, we gotta tick everything in the box like, uh, like, like, for example, with the new James Bond movie, like the boxes are cool on this one, but then there are some other movies where the boxes are just like, okay, this character has to be a, a has to be certain gender, has to be a certain t- uh certain orientation, has to be um... not even that,
1: but the yeah. type of story that you're telling, yeah, is limited by what is trendy and what will sell because these big companies just want to make money. Everyone wants to make money. Money makes the world go round. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the Marvel are going to make their writers push out the same sort of content as long as it's making them boatloads of money.
0: Yeah, and the other thing I've noticed with uh, deconstruction stories, it's always it's it's always the I'm so miserable. Like, uh, I, like for example, Doctor Who, for, um, where they deconstructed the Doctor's origin into it's just. A miserable story about a woman just killing the kids over and over and over again.
1: That wasn't miserable. Kids are awful. <laughs> and I've been cancelled. <laughs> But my point is that, you know, it's not necessarily a depressing story that... I mean, yes, that is, but not all deconstructions are depressing. Deadpool's a deconstruction of superheroes. Is that depressing?
0: Well, his origin story was depressing and how he got his powers. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but his character and behavior isn't pressing is it yeah
0: yeah yeah okay i, I can gr- i'll grant you that i'll grant you that but like it's like my my problem with deconstruction stories is always do we really need more story? do we really need more story? it's like saying okay superman has his uh like deconstructs superman from this towering titan of a of a of a superhero and we deconstruct the story to story we're basically like And do you not – let's deconstruct his uh, toilet habits, for example. Like the reason why Superman uh – uh, shaves his face is a dark stark story. His uh, eye beams accidentally killed Jonathan Kent or something like that. Be, it would just be like, what was the point of that whole deconstruction? Like there ha- like there has to be a point but where
1: Sometimes it's an interesting story, but But is it necessary. Sometimes to- they just go and No, it's not necessary. Is telling a story necessary? Uh, yeah yeah. Oh. Is making any art necessary? <laughs> no, but art is good. So Let them.
0: Yeah, that's true, that's true. But, uh, yeah, so Dixon responded by saying, Well, I feel your pain. It's all lazy writing is basically what's going on here. Once upon a time, they created a comic book character, and when they wrote really cool stories for them to be in, now they, they make all the stories about the character, so they have to plunge deeper and deeper into what makes the character tick or their psyche, he begins. And then he continues on to uh, say... It. The
1: same thing is, if we were just getting the same stories that we'd had for Superman again and again, then we'd still be complaining because we wouldn't have anything new. They tried something new, it worked, and then they went all in on it. Now now we're complaining because we're getting to the point that we're sick of deconstructions. Give it another few years and we'll go to something else and think it's amazing. Then we're going to complain about that another 10 years <laughs> down the line.
0: But, uh, but uh, Dixon continues to write on by saying, uh, of course, the irresistible urge is t- uh, to pull like gravity is to tear the character down and to deconstruct them. That stuff gets tired after a while, and while you look all down deconstructing, there's nothing left. So then you have to make unwarranted changes to characters that nobody asked for because you don't have any more ideas for any more character development. I mean he's got a point there. Like uh, like let's go back to the Doctor Who situation. Like you've got um, change you got unwarranted changes to the character uh, after after what happened to the Timeless Children. Like there was, it was just unwarranted. Be fair,
1: that ties into that's just an elaborated version of the story that was planned for the seventies and eighties before Doctor Who got cancelled. The Cartmel Master Plan. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Andrew ma- Cartmel had this master plan that we refer to which basically included a lot of the key points of Timeless Children, where the Doctor was the third founder of Gallifreyan Society, alongside Rassilian and Amiga. But the Doctor doesn't know because the Doctors had their mind wiped or whatever. In this case, the Doctor is the third founder of Time Lord Society because they are the source of regenerations, and then somehow needed to be given more regenerations uh, for the regeneration into Peter Capaldi, but maybe they then had a limit for Time Lords. Who knows? It's... Not explain. Doctor Who doesn't explain things, and that's part of what makes it wonderful. <laughs> but there are a lot of elements of the what Chris Chibnall did that tie into the caramel marzipan.
0: <laughs> I love that you. I love that parody the caramel marzipan. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Dixon says, and cl- you clearly don't have any story ideas because you never did. You never did write any good stories for these characters because writing good stories and plotting are hard. It's heavy lifting. Um, I'm more about... Ca- uh, whenever I he- whenever I hear a writer say, I'm more about character development than plotting, I always go, go away, stop writing, stop making us suffer for your lack of ability. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a bit of a fob. Yep. So, uh... It's it's funny though, like what like the way he says it. It's interesting how I, the way the writing has has decreased into let's just tear tear these established characters and make them so unlikable that we'll add in some new characters and make them likable and force people to like them.
1: Yeah, that's just it's just churn. You don't want to sit there listening to the same story over and over again unless you're a four year old with a spot book. And trust me. Hearing uh, C-Sport C- C- run 100 million times on a 12-hour <laughs> car ride to go away to visit your grandparents,
0: not great. So so he tells an interesting story where uh, he, goes- he went to the last bat-, bat Summit and at the same time DC was ho- hosting a Superman Summit. So during this summit, the Superman writers came up with the idea that Superman gets amnesia and believes that he is Batman. So, in effect, there would be.
1: <laughs>
0: so, in effect. Wait, there that's be- a
1: real plot? <laughs> I think so. So, this, in effect, would I be. I just like the idea. They bump heads and both forget who they are and somehow <laughs> decide they've swapped places, you know, like Freaky Friday style. <laughs> Except they haven't actually swapped place- bodies. They just think they have. <laughs>
0: oh. So, in effect, there would be two Batmen. One of them would actually be Superman and had p- uh, superpowers. <laughs> and uh, after telling the story, Dixon relays So, this phenomenon of not knowing what to do is the- with the characters and just wanting to basically mess with the characters instead of creating good stories is not a new phenomenon, which I think.
1: Yeah, I just think it's what we're on to at the moment. And eventually we'll move on. I wish we'd move on from superheroes. I'm sick of superheroes. But <laughs> it's gonna take a few more years.
0: Yeah, and it's gonna take the, the I just problem. think people
1: are gonna complain about the next thing in another ten years. Oh, it, yeah, it's yeah. how yeah. society works.
0: But that's a. but here's the thing though, like superhero movies, okay, yeah, they are always they they are getting like an annoying and yes, they are getting formulaic and stuff. But here's the problem with the current crop of superheroes we see now, now it's all about the message, and more than the uh, action and the uh, and and the storytelling. It's all it's it's more of the the message they portray, basically, and how many boxes we can tick into making it a uh, a likable
1: what uh, the message that putting all your faith in superheroes? Is bad. Uh, the message the... that even if you're just some kid from the middle of nowhere, you can be abducted by aliens and actually turn out to be the son of a god.
0: Uh, the message
1: like... that you can be an insanely rich person and create weapons, and then have a mental crisis because you realize how much damage your weapons have done.
0: More like the message of uh, even you can be a superhero. Even the even an average person can be a superhero. That kind of that kind of message. You know, it's it's like a it, 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 it's like a Wonder Woman. You know, even you can be Wonder Woman. That type that, that type of messaging, and it it just it just defeats the purpose of writing a good story for it. And not to mention, you just want to please. Not to mention, you just want to please
1: other markets as well. Honestly, I'm kind of getting to the point where it's funny seeing all of these comic celebrities tearing down modern comics, but I'm also getting a bit okay boomer. <laughs> Sure, it's not what you like when you are a kid. Let the kids have this.
0: Yeah, but the, what if the kids are saying no? This is not the no. The, this this whole this whole this whole current. Are they though? I, I mean, are the... they really? I mean, considering
1: okay. look at how much money Avengers Endgame made, and you yeah. tell me that people don't want that. I think they're wrong for wanting it. But that's just because I'm a, a little bit boomer myself.
0: i <laughs> uh, okay okay that being said though like I wouldn't really okay I would not really trust the num the um the box office market numbers to be honest like like it's like saying okay th- how, like would you want to tell like it's like telling the government hey hey American government we made a billion dollars like why not tax us that kind of thing? But that being that also being said though, like look at manga, for example, manga is doing so much better than Marvel comics and d c comics lately like they're, they're like
1: there's a has l- there been a marvel uh an, a manga an adaptation that is the most highest grossing movie ever
0: from okay from where there that the from, from
1: japan no, or from no highest grossing movie ever ever that means ever (laughs) dj that doesn't mean in japan that means ever
0: highest grossing okay 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 okay. that being okay okay i know I'm, i'm gonna be shifting the goalpost a bit i'm gonna be shifting the goalpost a bit but are we saying anime movie or or um or live action anime movie
1: either Because either way, they're not the highest grossing movie ever, are they?
0: Okay, give me a second. The highest
1: grossing movie ever is the highest grossing movie ever because people want to see that.
0: Okay. People uh... don't want to
1: see an anime adaptation okay if they did and that an anime adaptation was the highest grossing movie ever then it would be the highest grossing movie ever and then you'd have a point that anime is doing better than marvel
0: okay here we go uh when disney
1: is buying up anime companies because they want all the money then i'll believe you
0: <laughs> well they're sort of doing it with the uh with the star wars visions uh thing which is t- which is an anime in a sense but uh here we go. Uh, highest-grossing anime films worldwide. Uh, so number one spot is Demon Slayer Mugen, uh, Mugen Train, which is basically uh an arc they made into a movie. Worldwide gross, grossing five hundred three million sixty-three thousand six
1: hundred eighty-eight dollars. Wow, so much money.
0: <laughs> Spirits of the Way was second at three hundred ninety-five million five hundred eighty thousand. Dollars. okay how many the- millions
1: is that 500 million 500 million let's yeah. have a look at the highest grossing films ever actually let's look at yeah just ever not adjusted for inflation no actually let's look at adjusted for inflation because that's uh actually no we'll do, <laughs> ever. We'll Come do on. all right avatar made 2.8 billion dollars but that's not a marvel movie <laughs> it's not. But Avengers Endgame comes in just after that with two point almost two point eight. It's only about fifty million dollars behind. Okay. So ten percent my- of what Demon Slayer, Moog whatever made is the difference between the top two highest grossing movies. Okay. That tells that- you how big the difference is here.
0: <laughs> but still, what, what e- okay, even if I grant you that the fact that Avengers Endgame won millions uh, billions and billions of dollars. Even if I grant you the fact, the readership w- for Marvel and DC is still dying, and people are not interested in Marvel and DC comics. People, they are more
1: comics have been dying for decades.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and it's not news.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know it's not news, but it's a, it, but to see comic pro comic um, guys coming out and saying what DC and, DC and Marvel are doing wrong, It is a, it should be a, a, a sign to say, oh, gra- oh crap, why didn't I do this? And should
1: it? Or is he just a boomer complaining that the kids like something different?
0: I mean, uh, there are a lot of... We, we've been seeing, from time and time again, we've been seeing a lot of people saying that. Like, even... Um, what was it like? Okay, this might be changing a bit of a topic. Like, look at Billy New for example. How he's saying that Marvel movies are becoming the same, the same over and over again, and people are not getting interested at all. Because people want to see that. People
1: want to see the same movie and over again.
0: But my point is, th- but my point still stands. Like the whole idea that comic book readership is dying, and people are, and even though people are clamoring on that, yes, hey. Comic book guys, you're not listening to the majority of the fans. The the comic book the comic book industry is not listening. now That's why the manga is going is going strong till this day. And yes, it might be an okay boomer kind of kind of statement, but the uh, the reality of the situation is we're not we're seeing companies not doing well,
1: and that's happened to every creative industry. Except for video games. Video games keep growing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So uh, we'll take a short break, and we'll be back with our uh, shout-outs, events of interest, uh, famous birthdays, and uh, remembrances.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: So on to our shout-outs, Gary Paulson, the author of The young adult survival series Hatchet, among other works, passed away on... October 13th in Tolerosa, New Mexico. Gary himself led a very dramatic life and his books are inspired by his own life hunting and fending for himself due to neglect from his alcoholic parents. In later years, he was a dog sled racer and sailor. He was critical of modern technology and preferred to hunt and trap on his on his land in Alaska. As a child, he witnessed a plane crash in the Pacific Ocean where many of the survivors were attacked by sharks during the, during the rescue. It's likely that his childhood experiences informed the survival themes throughout his book and inspired his love of nature. He died at 82. Oh man, I, can you imagine this guy with
1: Bear Grylls? That would have been a cool episode. I'd rather see him with Les Stroud. Survivor Man was more about the survival. Bear Grylls is a bit of a stunt, man. Like, Bear Grylls is cool, but what he does is a good way to get yourself hurt if you don't crew and back up. Whereas someone like Les Stroud actually goes out and does it on their own and is less likely to take a risk like Bear Grylls would because the risk is so much greater that they will get hurt and die.
0: Does Les still do it, though, or is he kind
1: of out of the... I think he retired from TV. I think he still goes out and does it, but I don't think he's on TV anymore. Um, But lots of wilderness instructors aren't on TV.
0: Yeah. Uh, On the same day, William Shatner became the oldest person to go to space. Where he took a ride on the Blue Origin rocket RSS First Step. Shatner, who is 19, was joined by three others who were given minimal training and told to sit back and relax. The previous record holder was 82-year-old Wally Funk, also on Blue Origin in July. Shatner said, "What you have given me is the best profound is the most profound experience. I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened." I hope I never recover from this. I hope I can retain what I feel now. I don't want to lose it. That's so profound.
1: Yeah, that happens a lot when you go to space. Yeah. You see the Earth and realize, you know, that's it.
0: Although it was interesting how after uh, after Shatner had, had his time in space, uh, George Takei decides to go and <laughs> attack him. Which I just was like, why? <laughs> why do this, George? Why? Who knows? Like what, was, what what did he say? Probably to jealous. Him? Yeah. <laughs> what the, I remember, what he, he was saying like how uh, William was it what was a un, unhealthy pig or something, a, an unhealthy pig or something like that. Well,
1: he's definitely put on weight recently. Oh, so going to space as a ninety-year-old just doesn't seem like such a great idea. Like he's put on weight. He still seems fairly fit, but is it really safe for a ninety-year-old to be going to space? Is this something that if it Starts happening over and over. We're going to start seeing ninety-year-olds dying because of the G-forces.
0: Yeah, but to say, well, like, yeah, but to say, like, all these like really nasty stuff on Twitter, <laughs> and Adam, and Adam at the end, he's a guinea pig.
1: And that goes like, damn, man. <laughs> well, I've never sent a ninety-year-old to space before. We don't know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I get, I, I get that. I get that. It's, it's a, uh, it's. I, I get that. But like I said, the. There's a lack of tact in, involved in this. Yeah,
1: I think George is just jealous.
0: <laughs> like, And I like how Shatner um, fired back
1: as well. <laughs> Saying, like, he's jealous. <gasps> Who bloody wouldn't be, though? <laughs> like, it was only a 10-minute flight, and it was Blue Origin, so it barely counts, but... You know, if someone was gonna if someone came to me and said, "Hey, mate, you want to go to space?" Well, first I'd be very concerned. But if it was Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, then I'd accept. If it was just some homeless guy, I'd be very worried.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's funny how Jeff Bezos is jo- is uh, doing this whole uh, rocket thing because Elon Musk did it. So he. It-
1: yeah, and now he's <laughs> suing NASA because they picked SpaceX, and. <laughs> The thing is, Blue Origin isn't close to being able to do what they need for the mission. So SpaceX was the only real choice. <laughs> he did the same thing with Microsoft. Um, Department of Defense chose to go with Microsoft for cloud hosting of some sort. And he sued and was like, you picked them and not me. Wah! <laughs> and got the whole project cancelled.
0: I mean, he he's he's now the rich, he's the richest man, isn't he? Or has, has that title been taken away from him?
1: No, um, Elon is now the richest. And oh, they they're having a bit of a race. <laughs> but Elon announced that at his le- at the latest uh, place change, he would send a giant number two trophy to Bezos, and I just realized how that sounds. I mean, the number two. <laughs> Uh, I'm just looking
0: at Forbes right now. It's uh um Bezos is still number one. Really? Okay. Yeah. So Musk is so Bezos is one seventy seven billion. Uh, Musk is one fifty one billion. So when is that article from? Okay. Uh, this is just updated. Uh, I'm just looking at it's a it's info. It's an infographic but uh, I'll just put it up here. But uh Zuckerberg is uh has went down a bit as well. Like uh, yeah. if I recall he was the fourth, he was the fourth richest now he's the fifth richest. That happens. Yeah. But yeah, what well, an incredible achievement for Shatner to be chosen to fly. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh on the 15th of October we passed the 30th anniversary of the first record of the Oh My God particle. Uh, It's actually a thing, guys. The Oh My God particle was an ultra-high cosmic ray recorded using the fly-eyes detector at high res in Utah. The OMG is 20 million times more energetic than the runner-up particles. The The reason
1: it's called that is because it's so odd that they saw it and went, Oh My God. (laughs) <laughs> so I found, uh, according to Bloomberg, yeah, um, and several other sites, apparently the change only just happened in the last couple of days. Okay, uh, uh Elon is now the richest man.
0: Uh okay, yeah, that's still that naming. The oh my god, <laughs> so
1: the sense so of the uh, Higgs boson, which was the god particle, uh, occasionally expanded to the where is this goddamn particle. <laughs>
0: and then uh, we'll get the uh it particle and the uh, the go- godliness particle there should be a, there should, we should add more god related themes into this When it comes to particle the god why
1: particle <laughs>
0: the what name for
1: a particle that uh, gives you incredible feelings of depression
0: <laughs> so uh, this particle has approximately 3.2 by the times 10 to the power of 20 electron volts, or about
1: 51 joules. Really? 51 joules? Damn, that's powerful. Actually, it doesn't seem like much. It's not all that much. Like, for a particle, it's insane. But for anything else, it's nothing.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that'll be be cool. So, on to our remembrances. Herbert Henry Dow passed away on the 15th of October, 1937. Herbert was a Canadian-born chemical industrialist who found Dow Chemical. He got his start extracting chemicals from brine in the the U.S. and received a patent in 1889 for an improved extraction method for bromide. Although his first company went bankrupt in a year, his talent was recognized and his associates helped him found the Midland Chemical Company, which he left a few years later to found Dow Chemical Company. Shortly after, he, gained improved, he, he again improved the bromine extraction process and began undercutting the German government, supporting, I know, I'm going to butcher this name, Bromconvention, which put up a fierce competition And until World War One, where Germany's chemical companies were blockaded. Dow filed the demand...
1: So that one's pretty easy to pronounce there, DJ. <laughs> It is literally just from convention. Ah, uh, uh,
0: Dow filled the demand for chemicals in the en- entente, entantre- including weapons and medicines. By the time of, of his death from cirrhosis, Dow had personally received over 90 patents. That is an accomplishment. Uh, to our famous birthdays on the same day, 1829, Asaf. H- Hall was born. Asaph was an American astronomer who discovered the moons of Mars, Deimos and Phobos in 1877. He also discovered other moons, double stars, which are either binary stars or stars that coincidentally line up when viewed from Earth, the mass of Mars and the rotation of Saturn. He developed a method for determining pi based on Buffon's needle. By ne- throwing a steel wire through a, onto a wooden plane uh, with equidistant oh yeah, equidistant parallel lines.
1: Yeah, so Buffon's needle is a mathematical formula for calculating. If you drop the needle on a, like, wooden plank floor, would it land across a gap in the boards or not? So he modified that and came up with a way of calculating pi. Huh.
0: So uh, he wrote that he considered the odds of finding a martini moon so slim... Uh, He could have set up without encouragement from his wife.
1: Uh, You want to double check that sentence?
0: Uh, He wrote that he considered uh, the odds of finding a martini moon so slim. No,
1: you want to check that again?
0: What do you mean, check that again?
1: Because I wrote Uh this and I have a copy of it in front of me and I know that it doesn't say martini moon. (laughs) Martini is an (laughs) alcoholic beverage. (laughs)
0: Dang it. Dang it, Professor, what have you done? <laughs> I haven't done anything. This
1: is all you, mate.
0: <laughs> so, uh, it's so what what I think you were supposed to write it um uh, he is encouraged by a- Angeline Stickney, his wife, to search for Martian moons. His calculations could have, sh- have shown that the orbit should be very close to the planet. He wrote, "The chance of finding a satellite appeared to be very slight." so that I might have abandoned the search if, had it not been for the encouragement of my wife. So uh, he was born in Goshen, Connecticut. And on to our events of interest. On the 15th of October, 2003, China launched their first manned space mission, Shenzhou 5, on a Long March 2F rocket. This made China the third country to achieve independent human spaceflight, after the USSR and US. The astronaut was Yang Liwei, a lieutenant colonel and fighter pilot in the PLA. And OMG, he landed 21 hours later after 14 orbits. It's a uh, standard for astronauts to wear diapers, but Yang said, "Better not uh, to piss in diaper, baby doesn't like it. Neither does an adult."
1: Yeah, but he was up there for 22 hours. <laughs> So, so How much. long can you really hold it?
0: <laughs> so, so much for the uh, one source set for man, one giant leaf for mankind, huh? <laughs> and uh finally on the for the movie in in our event of interest, on the same day fifty years earlier, it came from outer space. Ooh, wee, ooh. uh released in Italy. Based on an unpublished draft by Ray Bradbury, the movie featured a spacecraft landing in Arizona. Some locals began to suspect things were not well when the local townsfolk began to act uh, oddly. Bradbury wanted to portray aliens who were not malicious, which which was unusual at the time. He offered two versions of the story to the studio, one where the aliens were malicious and one benign. To achieve the bubble vision effect for the alien point of view point of view uh, shots the uh, crew were, would blow a bubble onto the camera lens I, fo- I see FOS was the first universe oh, it came from it came from out space was the first universal film to be released in 3D and unusually for the 50s had the credits at the end of the film rather at the beginning see that would be an interesting movie to watch as well
1: yeah there's a lot of classic sci-fi I mean to get into at some point not all of it has aged well though
0: <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah so uh that's all we have for this week uh you can find us on facebook instagram twitter that's not where we're an archive of our old episodes and uh new episodes as well as that's not canon podcasts such as till the movie do us part which is a movie discussion podcast between one married couple in their late 30s they discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly experiences of the movie-going adventure as a means of breaking down the films that
1: are significant to them. Sounds like fun. And on that note, we have been promising noteful things, but uh, life happened, and we're going to have to put that off for a bit. So we'll get back to you as soon as we can.
0: So uh, that's all we have for this week. Stay
1: hydrated and bugger off now. Look after yourselves, and we'll see you next time.